Welcome back to UCM Veterans Voice, a podcast sponsored by the Military and Veterans Center at the University of Central Missouri. My name is Garrett Fuller, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Dewey Ball, Andy Shaw, and Kenny Wall. The UCM Veterans Voice podcast is now on Facebook and Twitter. Like us on Facebook at UCM Veterans Voice and follow us on Twitter at CM Veterans Voice. Know you at the beginning. Now on to the show. Today we have a special guest host, Gus Lancaster, and he's going to be talking about himself uh, and his military service. So a very uh, good first question is, where are you originally from? Um, I'm originally from here in Nob Noster, Missouri. Um, I guess that's a longer answer for me, though, because I'm actually born in Jacksonville, Florida, but my father was in the Navy, and so I'm a little bit from everywhere. Grew up as a uh, military brat then? Oh, obviously. Gotcha. You see this haircut? <laughs> so what got you uh, interested in the military? Uh, like I previously said, my father was in the Navy. Um, when I was 15, he passed away in a car accident. And um, so my whole childhood, we always had this kind of disconnect. I didn't really understand or have a grasp on who my dad was. And so I felt like joining the Navy, I would be able to see the world from his point of view and understand why he raised us the way he did. And as far as I, I believe, it was truly eye-opening and a great experience for me. Do you know if you did the same job as your father? Do you know what he did in the Navy? Uh, no, I didn't do the same job. My dad was actually an aviation storekeeper, which they don't have anymore now. It's just storekeepers. So he was an AKC, which is an aviation storekeeper chief, for those who don't know military rank. And then um, I was an aviation bosun's mate and a ship swimmer. So what I did was launch the airplanes off of the carriers and then I filled out a chit uh, my second year so that I could go to swim school and then come back as a qualified swimmer for the ship so that, you know, the poor air crew guys didn't have to do all the work. So when you say swimmer, what exactly do you mean by that? I mean, like, if somebody was overboard, but it wasn't like this huge, like, oh, my God, the plane crashed or whatever overboard. Just some genius was like, I don't really want to be in the Navy anymore and scooted his little butt off the side of the boat. I would have had to go get him. Luckily, never had to experience that because I would have been very, very irritated. So you were <laughs> authorized to jump into the water more or less, right? I mean, more or less, but not really. I mean, you still have to, like, go down. I'm in the middle of doing my normal job. So you're in the middle of, like, flight ops. If somebody falls overboard, then you uh, they'll call it. And the closest swimmer, so there's, like, five, five swimmers per boat. And the closest swimmer to his stuff is supposed to, like, drop everything, go run, get decked out into his gear, and then he's got to go meet the helo to go get genius. And you had to have a special chit? To swim? Yeah. In the Navy? Well, you'd be surprised. Um, so, funny story. My buddy, Andrew, who's actually going to be a Navy pilot now, he, when he joined the Navy, didn't even know we had boats. So, <laughs> you laugh. and It's the thing. We were in boot camp, and he's like, I had no idea we were going to have to swim. 
And I was like, Andrew, it's the Navy. We're called the Kayak Club. And he's like, what's that mean? And I was like, we have boats. He's like, oh, I'll refrain myself from cussing. I'm sorry. We can oh, cuss you on can the cuss, show. Man. Oh, okay. Well, then he was like, oh, shit. So I'm going to have to be on a boat. I'm like, <laughs> what's your rate? And he's like, oh, I'm an ABE. I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to be on a boat because you launched the airplanes off the aircraft carrier. He's like, which boat is that? I was like, it's a big one. <laughs> where, where did you? <laughs> where did, the biggest one. What yeah. do you mean? Where did you where did you join the Navy from? And he's like, oh, I joined the Navy from Colorado. I said, okay, and, and your recruiter didn't tell you that we had boats? He's like, no, he told me it was a great way to get my citizenship. Now, I'd, more more power to him because now him and his family all have US, U.S. citizenship, and they're great people. One of my best friends, he was at my wedding. He's a great man. But that's just a one of those things like – Come on, guys! You didn't tell the man there were boats. His recruiter did a great job. Yeah, they, his they probably was did on it. He just stopped listening after they said this is a great way to get your citizenship. He's like, oh, "That's all I need to know." I would a, believe yep. that. Thanks. So, where did you uh, start uh, in the military? Ah, bottom of the barrel. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I started as an E one, and then I I worked my way up to an E four, and I almost got that taken away once, but maintained my e4ness well for the, the listeners out there gus like where do you go to basic what do you do what's the typical entry point for uh for navy so you go to your boot camp where's that oh at? i'm and then, yeah i'm sorry i'm terrible oh, i'm no, so used good. to talking to you guys in the <laughs> yeah. in the vet center i was just like oh yeah you guys gonna you know um no so i i started out in chicago um so we the day i joined the navy was eight days after my birthday my 21st no not my 21st 20th 20th? Yeah. On my 20th birthday, I joined the Navy. Eight days later, I left for uh, boot camp for MEPS in Kansas City. And then we went to Chicago, where it was surprisingly cold for April. Um, and then, I guess, it was like six weeks, five or six weeks, you're in Chicago. They make you go through a whole basic training situation where they rush you and eat you like yell at you for not eating fast enough and never was a problem because if the food wasn't that great i wasn't hungry anyway um so after chicago then i went down to pensacola in pensacola i went to a school which is aviation school for those who don't know um so as i went to a school i was there for three three months and then surprisingly i want to say i learned my job in like three weeks because the first part of a school you're like oh now you got an introduction to barracks these are the rules of the barracks this is how often you're going to muster you're going to work in the kitchen for a week and so then there's the formalities of all that and then they're like now you're hydraulic now you got to be a hydraulic mechanic so here's three weeks to learn how to be a hydraulic mechanic on an aircraft carrier and um, so then you get shipped off the boat i went to New Norfolk, Virginia, and then from Norfolk, Virginia, we ended up in Hampton, uh, more or less Newport News, the shipyard. And I was in the shipyard for six months before I was like, man, this is boring. I really don't like lagging spaces all day. And my um, chief he, at the time, he's like, well, we got TAD spots. And so I went TAD on the John C. Stennis. What is TAD? Oh, it's a temporary duty assignment. I'm a huge fan. 
<laughs> I did not. I was the one guy in the Navy when they were like, you want to volunteer? I was like, heck yeah, it's boring here. I will go do anything but sit here and do nothing. So, um, but I, I was out on the John C. Stennis. As an airman, I was the only qualified person on my boat to be a topside PO, which is the person who sits underneath the airplane and does all the fun, like, waving signals. So if you're watching the beginning of Top Gun, guys, I'm the guy in the green shirt doing the swing. No, that's the yellow shirt, Andy. <laughs> Andy's over there doing I don't know if you guys have been, been to the airport and actually watched the person taxiing the plane, but Andy's over there doing this taxiing the plane thing. And that's a yellow shirt. Okay. I'm not the yellow shirt. I'm the green guy under the plane. The one who's like, please don't eat me if I run the wrong way. <laughs> so um, I was on the Carl Vinson um, after after that, after they left the shipyard, because temporary duty assignments, you don't stay there forever. So, so yeah, it's a little different in the Navy because, like, Army, Marines, Air <clears throat> Force even, we get assigned to a base. Are you typically assigned to a ship? How does that work? Um, I'm assigned to a carrier air wing group. Okay. So my carrier wing group is group 17, and that consists of one carrier, multiple battleships, some cruisers, and a medic ship. So you're, and then you have your flight, like your your plane. So you could be attached to any of those ships? I mean, I couldn't be, because I'm an aviation bosun's mate. Mm-hmm. But like the, the air, or whatever it's called, the air carrier? The air ca- aircraft, aircraft carrier. carrier. Yeah, the aircraft carrier. You go wherever it goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if if they're like, we're gonna move this to Washington, you'd move to Washington. Yeah. That's. I mean, you started out like I said. I started out in Norfolk. Yeah. And then we moved to Dry Dock for the boat to be repaired. Okay. And uh, after we moved that, moved the boat to be repaired. After that, we went on a world tour, um, which is always fun. And so we went on the world tour around the Horn. And went to Africa. We went to all the Asian countries. I've been there like five times. I love Asia. Tattoos are the cheapest thing (laughs) on the face of the planet in Asia. And if you could see me through the radio speaker or however you're listening, you would understand why that's a thing. Um, I got a few myself. (laughs) I I have a few. (laughs) Um, So I went all through Asia a couple times. Then... We went around South America, and then we ended up actually being stationed in Coronado, so San Diego, yeah. California. Coronado is really nice. San Diego, do not pull out at nighttime with your headlights off, even if you're in a well-lit parking lot. I tried to explain to the very short cop, look, I'm not drinking and driving. I know my headlights are off. All these lights are on, and I did not want to blind the drunk guy who was pulling out in front of me. <laughs> so... <laughs> My chief did not like that story. So what was your favorite place to travel to? That's a that's a hard one. Um, favorite um, as far as like places to to drink. <laughs> I would I would say Hong Kong. There's this place called the Tipsy Duck. It's a scotch bar and no matter how many times I went in there the guy Ivan was always, 
oh, I have a cup of tea for you. It was not a cup of tea. It was never a cup of tea. I don't think he ever gave me a cup of tea. I don't even think he knows what tea is. <laughs> I, I like that place. Um, but as far as like sightseeing, I would say that Malaysia was probably one of my favorite places. I went to the Batu Caves. And we climbed up. It's like 300 and some odd stairs. It's huge. If you Google it, there's a there's a statue next to it. This is giant golden statue of one of their deities. And you get to the top, and inside there's a temple to Shiva or a shrine to Shiva. And then uh, there's some lesser shrines around the outside of those. And you can see all the way up into this hollow spot with monkeys climbing. It's it's amazing. Um, the tattoo that's in the center of my chest, it's a chalker symbol. I actually got that hammered in at the top of those um, stairs, which is one of the probably one of the most memorable things that I've ever done. It sounds like the Navy just gave you a way to visit a bunch of different countries for free. Uh, no. I paid with my ass in sweat. <laughs> <laughs> but if, you, if you're joining the military to go travel, the Navy is probably the way to go. It sounds like it, yeah. I, I would say that if you're joining the military to travel and you pick a rate that is attached to a boat, it's the way to go. Um, because there are plenty of things you can do in the Navy that are not attached to a boat. If you get in the Navy and you're like, I'm going to travel a lot, and then you're a storekeeper – you might just get attached to a base in Norfolk and never leave. So your advice to anybody out there listening that wants to travel would be to do what? Save their money. (laughs) 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 When they talk to the recruiter, what should they ask or what should they try to get as far as a job? Ask him if he's got a good Airbnb. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm kidding. If, uh, I think, honestly, I love to be in an AB. I would do it again, and I'm, I'm, and that's me saying this from from very heartfelt perspective because there was a lot of times as an AB that I would be in the locker room and just crying and upset. I didn't get, I wasn't there for my daughter being born. I was in the middle of the sandbox in Bahrain, and you know, so there's a, there were a lot of times that were really hard, and I wouldn't want those again. But at the same time, I more than gladly say I'd do it over and over. Um, so if I if I was to say, a, if you were going to get a job in the Navy that you were really going to love and you love to travel, AB might not be it. it. I would probably go for like a MC, like a media tech, one of the guys that takes the pictures out of the helicopters, does the tours, Jag's real cool. Those guys just sit around all day and whine about us being really bad citizens. And so, I mean, there there's a lot of great storekeepers. As I said, they you might get stationed somewhere where you don't get to do a lot, but if you're like an aviation storekeeper like my dad was and you're stuck on a boat so you have to go to places, things like that, there are, there are tons of great um, rates that don't require you to do an extreme amount of like sweaty hot work but then again if you're like me and you like to do that kind of stuff because I love being a mechanic I like working on things I like getting my hands dirty and I like to feel like when I when it's three o'clock in the morning and I go damn I did it I did a job today you know an ABE would be a great job 
So I mean, depending on what your interests are, there's there's something for everybody. Even in in any any part of the military, there's something for everybody. Because hell, if you're just a psychopath and you like to shoot things, go be a marine. <laughs> you're still part of the navy. You can hang you can hang out with us. <clears throat> the men's department. <laughs> <laughs> the men's department that still gets to be on our boats. How does it feel to be a taxi service for us? I never was on a, a ship my entire time in the Marine Corps. So. But you can be. You can be. I mean, not it's anymore. Possible, we're, yes. we're, we're done with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, but, I'm not getting back in, so there's no <laughs> way I'm getting on a boat. Well, neither, neither am I because it's not um, possible for me, but... Like I was saying, if I could, I would do that. I would do it again. So, I, And, I mean, I think that's the general consensus around this table and with a lot of vets, too. Like, you might not have enjoyed everything about your service, but, you'd, you know, like, if, if it came down to it, you wouldn't have had it any other way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I have yet to meet anybody in the military that truly regretted their time in the military. I've, I've not heard that story. No. There's I, things they didn't like about it, but... Overall, it's like, yeah, it was a, a great experience. I had, well, I mean, what I, my biggest thing about it is, is that if you don't know who you are or what you want to do, you will find out. And I think the military is probably the best way to do that. When I was a kid, they told me I was bipolar. I was, I was always angry. Um, I had depression, all these, they, they wanted to give me every label that the world could possibly find you. ADHD. He's hyper. He he doesn't want to do this, so he's not paying attention. I had teachers that tell me I was stupid. Man, I learned to be a hydraulic mechanic in three weeks. I'm not dumb. So, it it's not about what all the like what the world tells you. You are. You go find yourself. Go find out who you are, and you can find that in in a lot of varieties of ways. And the military is one of them. So I I can generally say that by being in the military for the time I was in the military. I really learned a lot about myself. For example, I'm not stupid. I believed that until I until I joined the Navy and I had to do all that stuff so fast. I genuinely believed. You're right. I'm dumb, and I'm angry, and all this. I wasn't angry. I had no reason for doing anything, and I was treated poorly. And when you combine those two things, you're not gonna get a good result. So when, you, when you're given a purpose, you're told, here's what you got to do today, and when, by the time you're done, you're going to feel good about it, then you start to actually achieve being who you are. So to piggyback off this, uh, a question that has popped into my head, what, what do everybody at the table think about conscription? Conscription meaning uh, mandatory service. I, I personally don't agree with it. Um, I wouldn't either. Being um, being an infantryman, um, if somebody doesn't want to be there, that's not the person you want having your back. I, I feel that same way about a flight line. Uh, you know, I, we've had this conversation before in the in the vet center where I was talking about a guy who uh, just basically walked into a prop, and I mean that's one of the most upsetting things. Is it runs through my head all the time, and. Uh, if you don't want to be there, the more it's more likely for you to do something like that than it is for you to actually do anything good. I don't, and the last thing I want is somebody who doesn't want to be around to either put my life in jeopardy or, God forbid, end their own. Well, I, I'm I'm not a specific like you have to join the military. Just some type of service. It could be 
anything, the Forest Service. And, but, and I agree with that. that I mean, yeah, that's I why can. I'm for it because, I mean, there's multiple facets that you can go into. Military would probably be one of the main ones, but, yeah, the Forest Service – like they could intern with the police department yeah, or the fire exactly. department, well, anything I'm, to give back. I've just to the heard community. a lot of stories, uh, myself included, you know, and what Gus just kind of explained. Like a lot of people, especially young men, benefit from that type of environment. Oh yeah, well, and that it's. I'm gonna be that guy. I I hate to say this, but it's we live in an environment, and it's growing and growing since the mid '90s, where dad and mom are no longer in the home all the time or at, or at worst you're either in a single mom home you're in a home where your dad just he comes home from work and he's still working he doesn't have time for you things like that and so there's a dwindling population of people who still take time to say hey i need to stop and make sure that you learn these simple things that you should have learned as a child because when you're 23 and you think that oh i still need to live with mom and pop because i because they support me and they have to you're wrong and you never learned that somebody should have taught you that so and it's not i mean it's not necessarily your fault i give it to you it's not your fault that you're that you have these inadequacies that are that are populating society these days but the fact that you don't take time out of your out of your surroundings to go, hey, okay, if every generation before me did this, what am I doing wrong? There's there's something that should be said about that. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't disagree that con- the conscription, is that yeah, right? Conscription, yeah. Is a, a bad thing. I just wouldn't want it in the military. Yeah, yeah. I think. And that, I don't know the specifics, but I'm definitely for something like out of high school, you have an option and that helps you know, do other things, but yeah. it can be in the military, can be a forest service, can be some type of community service, mm-hmm. whatever, but something that provides maybe well, I mean, two that, years of service for young men where it's structured, discipline, organization, time management, all those, those skills that you learn in the military. I think a lot of people uh, don't just, they don't get exposed to that. And it's, I think that, that it would more benefit, benefit, and I'm going to go young men and women, that if you just did it as a thing that was you could integrate it into high school yeah you could add an extra year of high school and say this is your year there's some proposals out there of changing the k-12 system to a k-14 so once yeah. you get that 12 your 12th grade year that's when you start like really exploring do you want to go to community college do you want to go to a vocational school do you want to well, I mean, do some community service you there's t- options out there for something like take that. a moment you look at other countries and like germany for example where you you start off with your first like four years of primary school, and it's you have to learn an actual basis of things, not just oh I can scribble my name, and then after those four years you get a test that says okay what kind of trait would you be good at things like that, and then you get to start working toward that field as you grow up, and so I don't I don't have anything wrong in my personal opinion wrong with that system other than you have to take a test to say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be good at this. I don't think that you need, you should have to do that because in my personal opinion, if you want to do something, you'll find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. It can help guide you, though. Maybe yeah. you're not quite sure what it well, is yeah, you want to no, do. Well, yeah, no, I don't have any disagreements with helping guide somebody, but I don't think I that like that's I like your example of Germany, too, because uh, I think it's like 50 
over 50% of high school students don't go to college there, but they go into some type of uh, trade school or vocational right. school, and that's which uh, provides them a good uh, career. So I think having that, you know, like service time, whether that's two years, four years, whatever, but that gives them time to really figure out what they want to do while they're not living at home anymore. You know, you can... Oh, yeah. You can dream till the day is long while you're living under your mom and dad's roof and you're not paying any bills. But once you're out on your own and you start to see how difficult things really are and and what this wage is going to get me, then that that really changes a little bit. Well, it, I mean, that, that being said, I, I actually really appreciate that comment because that being said, then there's the, the other percentage of the people that really – you know, they're not bad people. Like, they're hard set in doing stuff right. My wife, she's a straight-A student. She graduated with her master's, and she works at the high school as a para. But she lived with her mom until she was 25 and then moved in with me. And she always, how do you make it so that the bills get paid? And I don't understand. You get this done and this done and this done. And sometimes I just get confused at where you get all the money, you get this money from or that money from. Well, the problem is, is that you never, you didn't have to do that. And now I'm not, I, it's my wife. I have nothing against how my wife does things. I love her to death. But being taught those kind of things is essential to actually developing yourself and growing as an adult. And in the four years that we've been together, it's really her being outside of the house. It's just, you can see the difference from the day we met to now, because now when I say, hey, babe, you know, I'm going to pay this, this, and this at the beginning of the month. I'm going to pay this in the middle of the month. She's like, all right, I got it. I understand. That's fine. This makes it more of a challenge where if there was kind of some stepping stones instead of just throwing you into the deep end and now you're on your own and you have to figure it out. Right. And it it, it really gives you a lot of uh, real, world, real world experience, which, I mean, you, we all have it because before we started going to college, we, we had that military experience. And I think that has helped us succeed in college and be successful in that setting because we know what it takes to handle the little stuff in life. Well, I mean, I don't sit around and, and tell people I don't have time to get something done because I know there's time. Yeah. But, and, I mean, you have these 18-year-olds these who are coming straight out of high school into college and they're struggling because they might know how to do things academically and handle that but they're stressing over the little stuff that just life throws at you. Right, that's so, what I'm saying is that that because those people don't have the same experience that we have uh, conglomeratively at this table, it's that I, I'm aware that there's time to get all the work done and done today as to where, you know, 18-year-old kid says, okay, now I live in the dorms and I've got a job and I've got my homework and – I got my dog at home that I got to feed and whatever. And now he's like, I don't know when I was supposed to find time to do my homework. I, I have to do my job. Well, I had to do a job on an aircraft carrier, get an air warfare pin, study for rank, and still launch airplanes without getting my head lopped off by a wing. You're fine. Calm down. And you <laughs> learn how to prioritize too. <laughs> yeah. But like how do you guys feel about it in a sense of – paying for education. So, you know, there's a lot of people who join the military to pay for education, and that's a huge topic right now is free education and and all this. 
but instead of just handing it to you, from what I see, the veterans that I'm around take it a lot more seriously because we've worked for it. Like, yes, we get free education, but it wasn't free. Like Gus said earlier, you know, there's a lot of sweat and blood and tears that go into that. And uh, not for one second do I think it's a free education. I don't know. That was going to kind of be my dovetail into the question earlier about some type of community or, or service that you, that two years you put in then does pay for whatever it is you want to pursue. If you decide you want to go into higher education or if you want to go into Votech or whatever, but that's taken care of based on your service to, you know, the country. See, and I'm that. much more inclined to agree with that than I would be anything else because you get some, the, the other kid, the, the kid that drives me nuts in every class, the one his parents paid for college, and he just, oh, yeah, I didn't show up, and I was drinking late last night, and I don't, I don't really pay attention and whatever because he doesn't care because mom and dad are paying for it, and I pity his parents. And I also pity the government and my taxes if I have to pay for that kid to go to college because he's going to be in college for the rest of his life because he doesn't care that I'm having to pay for it out of my taxes. Because he has no personal investment into that process where we all do. Right. And that's why that system works. And I think if you, if you have a free education for everyone, the graduation rates and retention rates are going to be so low because – like as we've talked about you know you don't really know who you are at 18 years old and having that that time to kind of discover who you are and make that decision is college the the course I want to take is Votech you know what what is going to work best for me throwing everybody into college because it's free for one it cheapens what a college diploma means I was just about to say that I I agree with that Like, oh, you got a doctorate, cool, but you were in school for however long it took you to do that. It didn't matter because you 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 have it now. So some people can get a doctorate in six years while uh, someone else might take 12, 14 years to get the same degree, which... And that's what, I mean, like, working on my master's now. So in five years, a master's is going to be the equivalent of a bachelor's degree. Right. So then, you know, in another 20 years, do we revisit this and be like, well, we should let everybody go get their master's for free? I think in uh, our country, especially, that college is oversold. Oh, yeah. Everyone's told, you know, go to college and everything will work out. If you get that degree, everything will be fine. But, you know, nearly 50% of the people that graduate with a degree end up doing a job that never required the degree in the first place. Yeah. And then out of the 35% that go to school, only about half of them will finish. Now, if you start making that free, and you increase that whole population of students. Again, I, I just I don't think it's a good idea. But I'm I'm open to arguments. I just don't know anyone that's made a good argument to me yet as why that's a good idea. So. Well, I mean, I'd love to argue with you, but I don't have an argument. <laughs> I know you do. So yeah. come on, you can find an argument in there. I would say if we were to make any type of schooling free, it should be trade school. Yeah, I'm I'm all for. Well, oh, I, yeah. I like that model of, and I can't remember who I heard it from, but the K-14. So like once you hit 12th grade, then you've got like a two-year kind of play area. Like you try out community college or you do a Votech, and and they try. To, it's more like the German model where they they try to help you find where where's your niche, what it is, it, what is it you like to do. You you like to work with your hands, maybe construction or whatever, and they try to give you a path to. Well, that. I mean, caveat would. 
Andy just said, I'd, I'd much rather give you a, a free trade school because at trade school, you're going to learn something you need to know anyway. Not only that, but it's it's a two-year program, and you're, you're going to immediately go into the community and start working, start being a productive member of that community. Well, yeah, and a lot I, of it's OJT. They start making money right off the bat. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Gus, how did you transition into your academic career? Oh, uh, when? Because the first time I, the first time I uh, got out of the military, actually, or not the first time I got out of the military, when, first when I got out of the military, I uh, actually went to school for fashion design at the Art Institute of Phoenix, and then I transferred from fashion design to um, go for graphic design because I more I more like the design aspect and the art of fashion than I do actually sewing everything and all that. I, I mean, I like sewing, but I don't really like it enough to sit behind a sewing machine for 24 hours a day daily. And um, But then um, in the midst of my going to school for graphic design, I got in a motorcycle accident and I broke 57 bones and shattered my spine. Um, so uh, after teaching myself to walk again with the great help of a few physical therapists, and the annoying consistency of doctors telling me that I'd never walk again, I now walk, look very good, and I go to school to be a physical therapist here at UCM. And you did the uh, the fashion design here too as well, didn't you? No. Okay. I did uh, fashion design only over at um, the Art Institute of Phoenix. Okay. So what brought you here to UCM specifically? Um, my mother lives in Knob Noster still. She's a lunch lady. She's been the lunch lady over at Knob uh, High School for 12 years. Um, so she still lives there. And, you know, you if you break over a quarter of your body, you kind of need your mommy. <laughs> you're not You're not wrong, man. Yeah. And now I'm just still here because my wife's here. And after I graduate, we're probably going to move to Florida, try to go to the University of Florida for my doctorate in, in physical therapy, and then work in a trauma clinic after that, uh, so that when people say doctor, I can actually say, yes, I'm that kind of doctor. <laughs> also, I hear salt water is good for achy bones, so I mean. Florida is good for everything. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the UCM Veterans Voice, and I would like to give a very special thanks to Gus for being our guest today. And also, don't forget to like us on Facebook at UCM Veterans Voice and follow us on Twitter at CM Veterans Voice. Remember, no you at the beginning for Twitter. Uh, and have a wonderful day. Hi, Garrett here. Because of the coronavirus and the lack of access to the studios and recording equipment, this show unfortunately marks the end of the semester. I would like to thank you for listening and hope you tune back in this fall. Don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter as we post updates and more. Thank you and stay safe and healthy.